Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Yeah, talk about TV last night because the Emmys and uh, primetime Emmys were last night. Several people said that uh, Macaulay Culkin did Richie Rich and My Girl and some other iconic 90s movies after Home Alone. Thank you very much. I do remember My Girl. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- Rod has encouraged me to watch The Bear, which I maybe we'll do. That's Hulu, you say? It's Hulu, yeah. It's Hulu. really good, though. I, I can say it's, it's the last thing I watched on Hulu. It's Hulu. No, Apple is where I saw the morning show. The Apple is the morning show, yeah, uh, with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. And I did learn while okay. watching the Chiefs-Dolphins Ice Bowl the other night that uh, Peacock is where I'm going to get to see Oppenheimer. Oh, that's right. You haven't watched Oppenheimer no. yet. Yeah, you need to I do did that. Go to, I did not attend a movie in a theater in 2023. Uh, so far in 2024, yeah. 16 days in, I have not either. I am getting ready to watch, um, man, what's it, Killers of the Flower Moon? There you the go. Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro movie. Yes. It's uh, it's really long. It's like three and a half hours. And it, it's unlike Oppenheimer, which doesn't feel like three and a half hours because it it's quick. a ton of different scenes. Like, they go quick. I, mean, I, I haven't counted them, but I bet they have more scenes in Oppenheimer than they have in your usual kind of you know three-hour biopic. The scenes in Killers of the Flower Moon are long. Like a long scene. Yes, it's a it's a Scorsese film. Yeah, so I gotta yeah, I, I want to watch that this weekend. But man, as a as a it's dad, like four hours. Three, as I was saying, kind of get three and a half hours to me to watch a movie. I'm at to watch, watch it. it in I don't have enough. Yeah, I don't parts. have the attention span to watch that. I'm not doing anything. I know. It's well, tough. remember that movie. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And maybe uh, Craig Flowers is listening. Craig Flowers, Colonel retired, our man from the high ground. You know, he lives now in Oklahoma, right where that was filmed. Oh, really? And he told me the story nice. as they were filming it that uh, Robert De Niro, they wanted to come in and rent his house. Really? Yeah, and I think that was for De Niro or one of the big actors. I don't know. That's cool. Um, yeah, like right for there. lodging, basically, for yeah, the Yeah, for lodging, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Something happened. And so he had, he got some good stories on that because it was up there in Oklahoma where, where, where Colonel now lives, um, had moved up there from Westlake. Uh, but either way, so yeah, he had, he had some good stories on that. Uh, also, you'll see in that in that movie, in addition to Leo DiCaprio and – Apparently the the lady lead the lead lady actress make does an unbelievable job. She oh, yes, yeah, plays Globe. a Native American. Yeah, she yes, plays. Yes, uh, she, well, she the, plays the Osage she tribe. Yes, I mean it's one of those stories that comes from a book that needs to be told. Um, you know the history and whatnot. But uh, oh yeah, it's a dark one. It's yeah. a dark history. It's yeah. a, well, a dark history in American, oh, very <laughs> in dark. American history. There's there's, there's plenty it's of dark that. Period. But the uh, one of my favorite musicians, Jason Isbell's in that movie. He has a pretty significant role in it too. You'll see him if you watch the whole thing. And uh, Sergio Simpson's in it, too. Oh, I didn't realize he was in it. I might have already seen him next. I thought I'd watch him like an hour of it. So he yeah, might have been he, already. He's recognizable. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, he, he did, he did, he's he got a Grammy-nominated album that's out that came out. And he said he wrote most of it when he was on the set. 
He was writing songs while he was sitting there just because he, he didn't realize how much you sit around and do nothing. Oh, yeah, you sit around all the time <laughs> and he's waiting on the next scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, Jason. Yeah, he is in it. He. Oh, yeah, he's a prominent role in it, actually. I just looked him up. Okay, yeah. He. Okay, I won't spoil it for people. But, yeah, he's, he plays a prominent role. Prominent role. Yeah, prominent All right, role. so we're looking for shows now. That's going to be a nice day again today. I'm going to watch The Bear. Oh, The Bear is great. Uh, I, you know what? I watched the first episode. Beef is great. Of, I watched the new episode of the uh, the first episode of the new True Detective last night. I did not. I've not started True Detective. I'm, I'm going to start that later on. I want to wait till a couple of episodes, and I want to be able to watch them back to back. Jodie Foster. Is yeah. In it. And remember the. The first True Detective was one of the all-time great anthologies we've seen, right? That was the Woody Harrelson and um, Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. That was the McConaughey in Louisiana that was really good. It was, it was, and great. that was when McConaughey won the Emmy for Best Actor and won the Oscar for uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Mm-hmm. Like he went back to back. It's I mean, the beginning of the McConaughey. Yeah, I mean, he, was, he went from kind of comedic heartthrob actor rom-com to like real guy. actor. Yeah, he was a rom-com guy to being a legit A-lister. Yeah. And, yeah, and he was. I mean, they were showing that old. First True Detective recently on HBO has been watching something. It was so good in that. Well, the and, reason it was good is because Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey had worked together multiple times before. They had, they had chemistry already. Well, there's some thought they're brothers. Huh? <laughs> Remember that whole Yeah, story? exactly, right? They, they have natural built-in chemistry. Exactly. They work. They love each other. Uh, the actors you're bringing together, you have decent plots. You have really good plot, but they don't have the chemistry that a Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey oh, yeah, had. And you, you can't recreate yet. So all the True Detective fans out there, they're always upset because they're comparing every season to season one. Let me say this to you guys. You will never, ever get that chemistry on screen with another duo doing True Detective. It can't happen because they got to spend decades getting to know each other and be friends like Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrison have done. So forget about it. Just appreciate well, it for what it is. it also wasn't the same writer and it wasn't the same people put in together, the, the second and third one, which weren't yeah, very they, well they, 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 they had decent plots. I've watched all of them. The, the, the but, writing has been but, but decent, the, but, the, but the chemistry between Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrison has never been close to it. And that's why that won all the awards, because it was that chemistry on top yeah. of a great plot, great yeah. story, great writing. All of it. I mean, it was just a really good anthology. But the new one is back to being the same guy that wrote the first one, mm-hmm. and then they've got this new. And they're already criticizing. Have you looked at the Rotten Tomatoes? They're already saying, "Oh man, it's not good as the first one. It will never be no, as good as the no, first I one." Don't, I don't. Look at, <laughs> I don't really. I just watch it and decide for myself. Yeah. And I know you do too. But I'm just saying, the first one is slow. I mean, like most first episodes, there's a lot of pipeline going on, but uh, Jodie Foster is in it. Speaking of Jason Bateman, who's been an actress since he was six. Jodie Foster, I learned last night, she's been acting since she was six years old. Yeah, like a kid. Yeah, she yeah, she's been her in whole some, life. She's been in some great roles too. Jodie Foster, very, very under underrated actress. When it's all said and done, oh gosh, extremely her body underrated of work and what she's done. We 100%. don't, yeah, we don't talk about her enough. We talk but about the, the best but the actresses. New, in new True Detective is set in Alaska, and it did, here's where it sounds kind of weird. Just like, uh, just like the the one with McConaughey and Woody Harrelson in Louisiana was just creepy because mm-hmm. Louisiana is kind of a creepy, creepy place. Oh, you yeah. get down in those swamps and the bayous yep. and. A lot of characters. This is filmed in Alaska, and it's done in a, in a, a town they call, I think, Ennis, Alaska. But it, it looks like it's going to be because it's going to take eight episodes. It's filmed through the stretch when the, when it gets dark and, and the sun never comes up. Mm-hmm. You know that stretch yeah. of time in December yeah. where you know it never gets light. That's weird, man. Everybody suffers from insomnia because you don't know what time of day it is. <laughs> That's weird in general. Yeah, that would throw most any normal person off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that, <laughs> and that's why I think it's cool because the. The location becomes a character in itself. Yes. This is what happened in True Detective Season 1. Yes. The location itself is like, these are some weird characters, some weird stuff happening down here. It's weird. Yes, and I agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. and I think this will be like that too because that's a, that's a weird place. Yeah, and Alaska. I like, the, I, and like well, I like I like the cast. Too. I like the Jodie Foster uh, and whoever they got her teamed up with. She seems like she's, she might be, be pretty good. interesting. It'll be good. Uh, yeah. All right, so that happened. Speaking of TV, it was uh, not good TV last night for uh, – 
the NFL games. I mean, it was okay. I mean, it was NFL football, but the games were not compelling. Didn't feel like the Eagles wanted to play much last night, and uh, the Buccaneers did, and the Buccaneers beat them. Now, the storyline there, Rod, that applies to television is we talked about this earlier. Hmm. When did the when did the dissolving of the Eagles begin? It happened uh, right after they beat the uh, – they had beaten the Cowboys, the Bills, and the Chiefs in three straight games. They were 10-1. And, and they were 10-1. and one. When the calendar flipped from – November to December, the Chiefs were the uh, the Eagles were ten and one, and most people thought they were the prohibitive favorite to get back to the Super Bowl as they were last year. Now, even through that little stretch where they beat the Chiefs, Bills, and Cowboys, they they were lucky to win those games, right? Yes, they, they were, were. Good. they were fortunate, but obviously the narrative was, man, these guys are just winners. They're resilient. They find ways. Mm-hmm. Clutch, high football character, clutch, finding ways to win these tough games. Uh, the one that the, the Eagles, the Chiefs win was in Arrowhead. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. then they beat the Cowboys at home. They beat the Bills at home. Well, also, then the next Sunday afternoon, they played the 49ers. And the 49ers came in and beat them like they Whipped stole them. something. Mm-hmm. Um, remember, 49ers got off to a slow start uh, with, with Kyle Shanahan, and then they scored, on, they scored touchdowns on six straight possessions. Just went through them like crap through a goose. And then in the second half of the game, when the game was already decided, uh, Dre Greenlaw, the linebacker of the 49ers, got into it with the Eagles' sideline. Yeah. And it turned out that we learned about this guy, Big Dom. Dom mm-hmm. DeSandro. Yeah. And he got he, – you know, we've never seen a player, a, a staffer from a team touch a player in an altercation before, right? This was crazy. This was a big dude. He's a big dude. Big security. Dom. He had a security. And, and Greenlaw's like, what? Who's this dude mm-hmm. coming up in my business? <laughs> yep. And, of course, Kyle Shanahan was angry. Well, so after we learned that that's Dom DeSandro, who is the Eagles' chief security officer, who's been with the organization for 25 years. Yep. Like he's been through. He's a he's a made man over there. Coach after coach, Andy mm-hmm. Reid all the way back to, and everybody starts asking, well, what was his role? Now remember, he was suspended, and he, he hasn't been on the sideline since Rod. I remember that. And they haven't won. <laughs> Guess who was back last night? Big man. Big Dom. <laughs> didn't he was matter. on the side. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. They still didn't want to play. <laughs> did not matter. They thought it would matter. Don't matter. Don't matter. Yeah, the guys did not want to play. They don't come. They don't want to play. So I still have the idea, if I can get some motivation for it, Rod. We need to write a TV pilot based on the character Dom DeSandro. I like that idea. And uh, I'm going to check with my buddy Monty Williams, our film screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Remember the Screenwriters Guild. Ty yeah. could be a part of this, too, because Ty claims uh, to. Why? Um, he's, just any other, he's just any other bum that's on the street corner at, 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 in Philly. Like, that's, no, I he's like, not. I feel like that guy is the atypical Dom DeSandro? Philadelphia. No, he, this, guy I don't knows think a, so. this guy knows a lot. He knows what the body's about. He knows. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean he's, he's the cleaner. Yeah, I mean he he gets the dirty work done. Doesn't mean he's anything special. Yeah, but did he knows nobody's the dirt a, though? Nobody's a compelling character. How yeah. do you how do you tie uh, fan fan interest in football into something that happens behind the scenes that ties together the front office and the players, the drama? I mean, this is this is the perfect character. I'm not gonna be him, but someone who that's their job, right? His job is to, I mean, essentially he works for the general manager. But, but he what does he really do? The He's the cleaner. But like, He's what the does chief he clean up? What, what is being cleaned up? Have you seen Ray Donovan? He's like that Ray Donovan. He cleans up messes. <laughs> but it's not, up like, the, it's not like a college pro. I could see that as like a. You, you don't know. think that happens in the NFL? Where you got to clean up messes? I feel like that's Roger Goodell's job. Uh, not for the teams, though. Not a team level. They're trying not to let it get to Goodell. <laughs> okay. They're trying not to let it before it becomes a big deal. You know, the the small arrest or the issue with the baby mama or the you know the blackmail thing that go wrong. He goes in and try to fix it before it becomes a story or before it gets to the police. Yes. Before it gets to Goodell, that guy and every team's got that guy. Chief security <laughs> officer. Yeah. Everybody. Every team's got that guy. 
That, you know. And it's a you know it, it, it's a cleaner, it's a fixer. Yeah, it's a guy that uh, and and you know we learned after that incident because he became known and famous or infamous that uh, you know the players go to him for things right. Yeah, they need something. Need some you know they 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 hey. they can go to him with some personal issues because it won't get to the coach. That's he the whole pro- point. He protects it from the coaching yeah. staff. You know, hey, I don't want my position coach knowing this, but I got this going on. Can you help me out? Come on, man. I need some help with this. Need some help. And, and, he, yeah. and he reports back to the general manager. Yeah, and he, he'll let, and he lets them know, like, uh, hey, man, you might need to worry about this player. Just so you know. Well, the word, what I'm hearing. Word got out that, it, that uh, you know, he helps when they're in scouting mode to draft players. He, he's the guy. You yes, should he hire does, him as the head coach. Well, well, <laughs> no, no. Do you need, you, well, you have to have people do background checks. Hell, you do background checks for any job, right? What NFL does, more thorough background checks. They won't go talk to people at your high school and go talk to the – the, the person that you uh, got beat up and you had charges brought up on you on, they're going to talk to that guy and see exactly what happened. They, they, that, that's, the NFL does that. And trust me, they spend a lot of money on it. It's worth the money, the investment for them to do the research in the background. So every team has a guy like that. Usually it's a former like Secret Service guy or a former federal agent. I'm not making it up. This is true. No, he's he's, he's got a security background. Remember the Texans had – they had a, a former Secret Service guy. Yeah, he did. Who was helping out Deshaun Watson and helping them sign – what was it? They were signing NDAs. He was trying to get yeah. the women to sign NDAs. So every team has that guy. He's just the Eagles guy. He's been around for what three different coaches? Yeah, all the way back <laughs> to Randy. Decades. Yeah. Yes, but every team's got that guy. Trust me, you have to. Well, and, you have and, to. And the amazing part of what happened on December the third was this guy was exposed. Well, who is that guy? No one knew who that guy was. You ain't not, supposed to. You're not supposed to. When know you who find it. out who that guy is, something went wrong. Even we found right. out the Texans had a Secret Service guy making women sign That's NDAs. Right. We were like, something went wrong. That guy hitting or at least putting his hands on a player, something went wrong. Security guy, shady Ray Donovan guy, should never be known to the public. No, that's exactly <laughs> right. And that's why he's compelling as a character if you're yes. trying to make a TV show about Agreed. it. Because he becomes behind-the-scenes guy, but he is the conduit to the, to the mm. life and what's happening. Yeah. As we said, when we first talked about this, when this guy became known, there are so many storylines you can follow the, from the owner to the yeah. to the coaches, players. Um, the guy will never be fired. He'll it, retire because he knows where all the bodies are buried. <laughs> we need to make sure he doesn't write a much. book. So yeah, this guy will much, retire. Right? He knows way too much. Yeah, and he's a professional <laughs> for a reason. Those are important guys. I mean, and uh, you know that would be you get the right writing team, Rod. You could do It'd be a, great. Do everything. Get the right it's lead money. character. Totally agree. Lead character. Oh, because the plots are endless. Like the storylines are endless. You could just you could just steal. You can be like Law and Order and steal from the headlines and just put it right there oh, in the yeah. script. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everything. Yeah, and the, remember, of course, Jalen Carter was their first pick, right? The ninth pick overall, and he was supposed to be the first pick, but he had the issues at Georgia. Yeah, Dom uh, DeSandro is the guy who went and investigated him. Yeah, He's the, the one that went and the possible him. vehicular manslaughter charges. Oh, they, yeah. they were racing and people died. Yeah, that kind of stuff easily in the script. Done. Yeah, season one, we're finished with it. Easily move on. Yeah, no, I think there's, <laughs> and you know, it, it's Philadelphia, so that and just across from Jersey, so that comes in. He, uh, he's Dom DeSandro. Does he have some mafia ties? Of course he does. He's a shady guy. We're going to give him some, some mob ties in there. Oh, what you talking about? Sports gambling? Let's throw some of that up in there, too, because the NFL's dealing with a lot of sports gambling issues with players getting caught. Let's throw that in there, too, for the hell well, of it. Why not? But if you're the owner of Jeffrey Lurie <laughs> and you're the GM, Howie Roseman, aren't you wanting to know, hey, listen, if you hear any of our guys getting tied up in any of this stuff, we need to know this. Of course so we do. So you know guys who know this. Mm-hmm. You guys are running the numbers. You guys are running – you know guys who run this whole operation don't don't let any of our guys get tied up into this that's yeah. a problem we need to know it we need to know because when he's in the locker room guys don't stop talking when coaches come in the locker room guys stop talking they don't just you know they're not comfortable just speaking when he walks in they keep on talking what they're talking about baby mama drama uh what they doing that night where they going what happened at the strip club they keep talking but when the coaches come in nah man 
Come on. Yeah, boss is here. Now. Exactly. That's why that he's guy. He's your bridge guy. Yeah, he has the crucial information for the coaches. I, I'm with you. And he's, he's, he's got to be there a long time because he's got to know people. He's got to know, mm-hmm. hey, if, guy, if a player comes to him and, hey, I need this, can yeah. you help me out with this? Yeah, I can help you. I need, the officer, I, know I, need, I need the officer in the, with the police department to hit me up before it hits the headlines that one of my guys got arrested. So I get there, so I get there like, hey, man, just so you know, we got him. He's in booking right now, so it's probably going to hit the headlines in about three hours. Okay, thanks, bro. I that's, can go hit up, you know what I mean? Especially that, with a 53-man roster. Oh. I mean, I mean that's, that, that would be my point, Ty, is that you have – I mean, the stories we hear are pretty salacious out of the NFL. Imagine the stories we never hear, mm-hmm. right, I mean, that never come out because oh, yeah. a player, player, coach, somebody go, hey, man, I'm being blackmailed by this lady. Can you mm-hmm. look into that for me, oh, take yeah. care of her for me? Look at that. I mean, not like kill her or anything, but like no, but like get, I need get covered, to, get yes. taken care of. Yep, and yep. so it's not a code. Drop her off some of this money in cash <laughs> so she shuts up. Make her sign this NDA. We keep it. And going. I don't, I don't think know that's happening. I can assume it's happening, but at the same time, you can certainly make a TV show about it, where you have fictional that liberties. Stuff, that stuff is happening. Oh I yeah, can tell you. you got to play in the league. It's happening, <laughs> no doubt. Those are multi-billion-dollar companies, man. You don't think, what they say about uh, uh, every great every great fortune is built on a great crime. There is no doubt there are great crimes going on in that multi-billion dollar business. All I love the time. it. I love it. <laughs> and I, I, we should lead that spirit. Dom DeSandro. We're gonna have to have some more better looking lead character. He's got. He's got to be gruff. Tough. He's, he's got to be a lovable sociopath, though. That's the key. Like Tony. Tony. Tony Soprano. Yeah. A lovable sociopath. Like that. That was. That's some of well, the Ray greatest. Donovan was. Right, right, yeah, Ray that's Donovan. some of the best writing in the history of uh, television. of television because they turned Tony Soprano into a lovable, relatable sociopath, and that's basically what you're trying to do. Because the socio sociopathy makes him compelling. All right, in a way that you, but the relatability. Oh man, I go through that. My wife upsets me too. Man, my kids are dumb. He's, you know, what I mean? he's a dumb kid too. Well, and the reason, the way so they made him relatable, but also made him so that that's brilliant. Well, like that's ra- what you do. Breaking Bad did it too. That, that's right. Brian yeah, the way they made character. Tony Soprano relatable is made him a father of two and yeah. you know, living in the suburbs with some entitled old, kids. Yeah, with a wife. You know? kids. Yeah, like all that stuff. It just it was like, oh man, I they did the same, the same thing with Ray stuff. Donovan on Showtime. Yeah, not to the extent of that. That's but the same kind of thing. Because to do that job, you have to have no conscience, right? You have to be complete. Yes. But then you go from that to going home, go home with your kids. Go home. <laughs> Grilling outside the back. He's like, did he just strangle a dude yesterday? He's like, yeah. That's Tony Soprano, though. Oh. <laughs> that was such a great show. I love it. Yeah. I can still go back and That's watch Sopranos. Too, like, yeah, it has been on lately. You're right. Sucks you in quick. All right, good stuff right there. All right, uh, we will pick that up. Your thoughts on uh, the games from last night. Baker Mayfield. Let's uh, actually get to Rod's number two rant of the day. First one was on Baker Mayfield. See if you get a little more on the Lake Travis product. He was a huge winner last night, as was Josh Allen in the Buffalo win. Let's get to it. Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's get into uh, one, a, a couple of quick nuggets. I'll give uh, Baker Mayfield a lot of credit, uh, first of all, for his performance last night. It was uh, extraordinary, uh, and uh, I know a lot of people out there aren't Baker Mayfield fans because he uh, went to Oklahoma. Uh, but last night, uh, getting his second playoff win in his career, 337 yards passing, three touchdowns. He was 22 of 36. Uh, and if you go look at now, Baker Mayfield joins – Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Alex Smith, and now Jared Goff. Throw in Jared Goff in there, uh, who are the only quarterbacks to start 
in the divisional round for two franchises in the past 20 seasons. You just don't really see that. So Baker Mayfield, once again, uh, proving that high upside that he was drafted for, number one overall. Um, he's actually starting to showcase a lot of that on the, on the field. And I'll tell you what makes that even more extraordinary here in a second. Um, but he's the, he's the first 300-yard, three-touchdown playoff uh playoff quarterback for the Bucks in passing history uh, because Brady had the top five playoff games in passing yards before tonight and Mayfield's 337 now put him third uh, and those two career playoff wins now just as many as Jalen Hurts or Dak Prescott uh, so Cowboys fans I'm sure will uh, take some comfort in that or not uh, but this is the my favorite nugget about Baker Mayfield that I've heard um, and I went back and did some research on it and it's extraordinary Baker Mayfield in his six seasons and it feels like he's been there longer than that but in his, only his six seasons and his fourth team he has had six head coaches and two interim head coaches in all eight different head coaches in six seasons that is the most for any quarterback in the first six seasons of their career in NFL history so nobody's had uh, more, you know, head coaches trying to motivate them in different ways with different messages, different schemes um, and different methods in their first six years than Baker Mayfield. Some of that is on him, but a lot of that are circumstances that are outside of his control. You're talking about Freddie Kitchens, Hugh Jackson, Kevin Stefanski, Matt Rule, Sean McVay, Todd Bowles, Steve Wilkes, Greg Williams even thrown in there. So he's had a lot of turmoil to deal with as a quarterback in his young career in the NFL. He's only 28 years old. And if you look at the play callers, in addition to that, because not all of those head coaches were play callers. Some of them were Sean McVay, uh, Kevin Stefanski. But if you just look at play callers and offensive coordinators in addition to those head coaches you're still talking about nine play callers and ocs she's talking about eight head eight different head coaches nine play callers and ocs in his first six seasons and yet you look at where he is now and he's in a great position to win comeback player of the year and what i love about baker mayfield's game now is that you know for him mentally he's about to have by the way about to have a child his first kid too so i'm sure that that actually has played a big role in his maturity um but it seems to me now that baker mayfield has been able to direct the chip on his shoulder the motivational currency i always talk about motivational currency um and, and the all-time greats they're able to use their motivational currency whenever they want to that's why i call it currency right they stockpile it they they uh, they over the years right they take these slights they take these uh critiques uh they take the the criticism they take all the hatred uh from all the the different uh haters out there they take all of that and they they use that energy right and they they compile it into the chip on their shoulder but it's motivational currency when they need it they can spend it uh when they need it for a big game or they need it to play through an injury or they need it to help motivate their teammates they can spend that motivational currency and baker was great at it he would spend that motivational currency uh, of people doubting him as a walk-on first walk-on ever drafted number one overall right uh, he was a walk-on multiple times in his career or whether uh people doubted him when he he, he initially coming into the NFL. Oh, man, he shouldn't be number one overall. Whatever it is, like he would use the motivational currency. And we talked about even his antics at Oklahoma, whether he be playing the flag or whether they'd be grabbing his crotch in the game versus Kansas. Whatever slight um, or whatever criticism that he faced, he would just he would use it. He would flip it and intrinsically use that as motivation. And what happened in the NFL, instead of spending that motivational currency on the field um, and, and spending it uh, in places that are going to get him return on that uh, investment, if you will, he started spending it with the media. 
he started spending that motivational currency with his teammates, getting into conflict with his teammates, conflict with the media, conflict with fans, and you didn't see him spend it on the field. And I think now he's getting back to, no, no, all the motivation that I have now, the chip on my shoulder, uh, the criticism, the doubters, the naysayers, all of that, all the negativity, now I just spend it on the field like I did when I was in high school or like I did when I was in college and became one of the best players, if not the greatest player in Oklahoma football history. Right, So I think that's what he's back to. It may have taken him a little while um, and a securitous route to get there, but I think that's where Baker Mayfield is now. And there's no question, he's past being a, a stopgap bridge quarterback for Tampa Bay. They got to sign him to a deal. I mean, he got to win a playoff game for you. So I, he's going to get a big contract, and it's well-deserved, and he might end up winning comeback player of the year too. Agreed. Now, you know, the comeback, we said they're, all those awards being announced at the NFL Honors. Uh, the Thursday before the Super Bowl out there in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's hard to – because I think most – I don't want to say the sympathy vote, but a lot of people went with DeMar Hamlin as the comeback player of the year just because he's alive. Yeah, I get it. That's, and and that's, yeah. that's tough to be. There were some people pushing for Joe Flacco, which I was okay with, but I was thinking Baker Mayfield's been starting for this team from the beginning. Mm-hmm. This guy's had a hell of a year. Now, there were some who argued that Baker, you know, he's not come back from injury. He's actually just coming back from – he wasn't playing good, and then he got released yeah. and cut, and all the things true. you said about getting toxic in his locker room. But uh, Baker also, by the way, we played his post-game interview last night after the win, and he does feel like he's finally grown up and just, just put that stuff aside. And there was some, some chatter that it was, um, you know, Sean McVay had a big influence on him I when doubt. he got to the Rams and just, you know, direct, you know, kind of said the same things you just said. Hey, dude, just play football. Mm-hmm. You're really good at football. Yeah. Don't get caught up in this nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. And maybe being around a guy, I know Matt Stafford was hurt, but being around that right. organization. Another number one overall guy. Yeah, just like, yeah, hey, yeah. look. Yeah. Um, That's been through some turmoil himself. Because remember when Beckham, his biggest feud in Cleveland was with Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham. And then Odell went to the Rams and won a Super Bowl. Yep. And kind of found, oh, this is kind of nice here. So clearly, Sean McVay runs a good organization. Got uh, you know, kind of a straight shooter. Yeah, right. And you know, Baker's come back with a different head. And I mean, the numbers you just gave for even people that hate Baker Mayfield can point. You know, eight different coaches in six years, nine different play callers. I mean, that is bru- That's brutal for a player's development. You're, you're just trying for. You're looking for some consistency. Mm-hmm. I mean, just come on, man. And uh, good for him. Good for Baker. He played good last night. He sounds like he's grown up. He's just focusing on football. Um, and, you know, good for him. He'll play the, the, the Lions game will be a big one. This is, that was my favorite game going into the weekend outside of the Texans, but uh, it turned out to be the best game of the weekend. Uh, the Lions 24, Rams 23. This will be good, too, because you have two former number one overall picks mm-hmm. who've been through the – been knocked down, had yeah. to get back up, and um, now leading their teams in, and they've got talent. I mean, the one thing, you, when you watch the Buccaneers, Mike Evans can still play. Yes, he can. I mean, he can still really play. Yeah, you're right about that. And the defense is still pretty good. And Todd Bowles, and now they made the, the the Eagles didn't didn't do much to to fight back against it. It didn't feel like last night, but that, that that's good stuff right there, Rod. <laughs> Looking forward to that game, uh, the Reclamation Bowl. Uh, yeah, both were seen as bridge quarterbacks that may end up being the quarterback. Number one overall picks. <laughs> yeah, who had to take a kind of a circuitous route to get to where they are now, but they're in the playoffs, in the divisional round. It's yeah, unbelievable. That, that's awesome. And they'll play. That is the, if you're making your schedule. That is the the first game on Sunday, third game of the weekend, first game Sunday. You know, usually about two two thirty they'll play that game, and then the night game that night is Bills Chiefs. Oh on yeah, Sunday. that's going to be a great game because 
Man, I I gotta tell, I'm not ready to pick that game because I would assume that I was picking the Chiefs, but not so fast, my friend. Bills are playing good. Josh Bills are Allen's playing really awesome. Good man. Josh Allen throwing to his tight ends. He made some great throws to Dawson Knox and the rookie Dalton Kincaid in that game. I just don't trust them wideouts for Kansas City. Well, that's the thing, right? They played in Buffalo or they played in Kansas City earlier in the year, not long ago, and uh, that was the you know Miko Hardman lined up offsides mm-hmm. or Kadarius yep. Tony lined yeah, up offsides on the play that would have maybe won the game for the Chiefs. And, yeah, that, that, that's – and now Josh Allen and the Bills get the luxury of having the Chiefs in their building uh, with crazy. the Bills Mafia. Yeah. And those crazy folks who were sitting on snow oh, piles yesterday. Man, they're going to be – yeah. That's, <laughs> Did you that's see those folks point. digging themselves, digging their seats out? Dude, they were having a good old time. <laughs> they had a grand old time. You know they had some – they definitely had some flasks or something with them. You they, know. They, was, they, 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 had, they had to be drinking because they were having too good of a time. It was too damn cold. They were up there shoveling snow. That's how you know cultures are different, right? I mean, the, the, the folks having to shovel themselves to their seat because there's three feet of snow. Um, it was like people here on Lake Travis out in Devil's Cove. They're having so much fun. They're loving it. They, they were, <laughs> people were just laughing. They were throwing snow at each other. So yeah. like, well, it's like when you roll up on people here at the Cove, man. They're just on the boats. Yeah. And they're doing their thing. I was shocked. Same kind of thing. Dudes in there, like, That's they're making snow angels out there. I'm like, what is going on? Aren't y'all miserable? No, like, our team's in the playoffs. Our team is really good. We live in Buffalo. We, live in, but we, we chose this life. We chose to yeah. live in this we're life. A little different. We're a little different. <laughs> yeah, they are built different. Yeah, man. they're built different. I can't do it. That's why the Dolphins didn't fare so well in that kind of weather on Saturday. No, they're like, man, we're trying to get to the, trying to get back to that beach. Go back to the beach, please. Get back to that beach. Degrees. South Beach. What are we doing here? What are we doing Why here? Why do people want to live here? What are they doing? What's wrong with you people? <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good stuff right there. But yeah, Josh Allen was great. So yeah, that's your schedule Sunday. The schedule Saturday is Ravens Texans at three thirty. Yeah. Ravens Texans. Lamar Jackson against. The, I found your quote, but I couldn't find the uh, the video. I'm looking for the audio. I'm gonna try to find the audio. We come today. back. Give me the quote that John Harbaugh had about yeah. the Texans when they uh, came back from. Uh, after they played in week one. We mm-hmm. played in week one. And the uh, Ravens beat them 25-9. He, to nine. he called it. All right. We'll come back on that. Also, uh, the game on Saturday night is Packers at 49ers. Packers at 49ers. Both of the teams who had the bye weeks will play the Saturday games. Uh, obviously, everybody that played, except for the Texans and the Packers, because uh, the Texans played to get a full week off, right? Texans mm-hmm. were all played Saturday. They play again Saturday. Packers play Sunday to Saturday. So they have an extra – uh, uh, one less day, and then they have to travel to San Francisco. So keep that in mind when you're making picks on those games. Uh, and obviously the Bills had to play all the way to Monday, but they don't have mm-hmm. to travel now. Chiefs have to travel to them. They get to stay at home and welcome the Chiefs in, but they had to extend their theirs into Monday. And the Chiefs, Chiefs played Saturday night, so you could argue they have two days mm-hmm. ahead of, head start at some level. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back. We'll pick up those conversations. Also, breaking news, breaking news, Rod. Yeah. Our friends at the Rodeo, uh, Rodeo Austin have announced their lineup for 2024. We're going to run through it. We'll also have a special guest. If you love country music, you're going to love this lineup. We'll break that news to you. Coming back on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook 'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. 
Yeah, some breaking news. Breaking news coming in. And our friends at Coke FM and ourselves uh, get the good fortune of breaking the news to you. Our partners over at Rodeo Austin have announced their lineup for the upcoming rodeo this um, February into March, Rod. All right. Uh, actually, it starts March 9th is when live concerts begin. So throughout March, the busiest month, one of the busiest months of the year, October and March are really busy in Austin, Texas. Uh, but, yeah, that is uh, our good friend William Clark Green. William Clark is going to uh, open up the festivities. He will have the first live show at the rodeo coming up March 9th. Uh, WCG will be there. That's pretty cool. And then uh, some big shows all through March 9th through March 23rd. And that final show is still to be announced, Rod. Okay. But some big names. Sawyer Brown will be the headliner on March the 11th. Gary Allen, great show there, March 12th. Ashley McBride on the 13th. Lucas Nelson. Willie's son, but Lucas Nelson and his band, The Promise of the Real, are awesome. That'll be a great show on March 14th. Uh, William Beckman. We hear Nick Shuley talking about William Beckman as one of the rising young countries. You know, he's got that old school, uh, old country voice. Oh, yeah. Young guy, but, man, can really sing. Speaking of singing, Jamie Johnson on March 16th. Speaking of uh, great troubadours. Uh, Los Huracans del Norte will play March 17th on St. Paddy's Day. Tracy Bird, some old school country rolling in here. Winona Judd, Rod, March 19th at the rodeo. Uh, if you like some uh, some Southern rock, how about this one? Oh, yeah. March 20th, 38 special. 38 special at the rodeo. Jake Owen will be the uh, live live act on March 21st. And then a good one on March 22nd, Flatland Cavalry, which is uh, a rising group big time. Uh, what do you think of that, T.Y.? You're a big country guy. You like this uh, lineup out at the rodeo March 9th through March 23rd? Yeah. Uh, I've seen a lot of these acts. They're, they're good. Uh, a few I haven't seen. I haven't never seen Jamie Johnson. Or, uh, That'll be good. I've never seen Lucas Nelson live either, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'll have to make it out there. I mean, that's hard to be the son of Lucas Nel- or Willie Nelson, but he actually has got his yeah, own sound. Uh, they, they, Lucas, sound they sound very They sound similar. alike, but he's got his own groove, right? Yeah. Not a, I mean, you, you, you can't replicate what Willie does. But, yeah, their voices are similar at times. But the style is different. It's, style more, different. it's more rocky than country. Yeah, he's kind, of a, he's kind of Willie Nelson meets Tom Petty kind of thing, right, where you've got some rock and roll songs in there. Okay. Uh, but he's a great songwriter of his own. I mean, you inherit that from your dad. Uh, but he's carving his own way, I guess is the way I'd put it. And he's, you know, it's not like you're going, hey, we're going to see Willie's kid. You're going to see Lucas Nelson. And his band's really good. Uh, if you've seen the movie, uh, uh, what was the Bradley Cooper film uh, with Which one? Lady Gaga? Uh, oh, Stars Born? Stars Born. Yeah. Yeah, they were the backing band for Bradley Cooper. And that, oh, you know, like, okay. When they did the music scenes, that's that's uh, Lucas Nelson, and that's the promise of the real. Okay. That's his band. I didn't but, realize that. Yeah, that's so they, that was a good gig for them. And they play some – you can see them playing some of their songs on that if you go back and watch that movie. Uh, but, yeah, no, they're really good. That's a great lineup. Good job. And we're going to talk to the CEO of Rodeo Austin in our fabulous fifth hour, Rod, the 10 o'clock hour. Beautiful. Talk about everything that's coming and uh, the rodeo always – no, February kind of gets slow, Rod. February gets a little bit slower, right? We get through the NFL wow. playoffs. Super Bowl comes and goes. Then we got a few weeks in February where it's just, you know, there's not a lot going on. Got Valentine's yeah. Day. I think it's, uh, yeah, you get ready for March because March is big, right? March Madness. March is crazy. Yeah, March is wild. March becomes uh, South by Southwest, the yeah. rodeo. March is wild. Um, yeah. So we need a little, we need a little downtime, right? The football. Oh, yeah, you got to take a deep breath. To yeah, decompress a little Austin bit. Austin FC will launch uh, launch their uh, season in late February. Oh, uh, third man. year. Yeah, that second year wasn't great. No, it was not. That was. Was it fourth year? We've already the fourth. Oh year yeah, three. You might be right about it. Well, last year, I'll say last season wasn't great. Yeah, third last year season. they were. They first year what? was a first year. Second year was a great year. Second third was year was year. Mm. third year. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh-huh. Low lackluster. That's all right. Yeah, but then they March changes. March we get spring training going. Get the Rangers are going to be all fired up because they're coming off a World Series. Astros that rivalry heats back up. Say Astros better be March Madness. Too. 
By the way, uh, March Madness is already happening in college basketball, safe to say. I saw this, and some one of our texters sent us to it, sent this to us because the Longhorn basketball team, Rodney Terry and company, coming off that really disappointing loss on Saturday. Hmm. They're going to play tomorrow night. Yeah. No, Texas women play tonight, by the way. Big at, 12 uh, Moody. is brutal. Big 12 is. Here's Fran Fischilla. According to ESPN College Basketball Power Index, all 14 Big 12 conference teams are among the top 16 remaining strength of schedules. So basically, every night is a tournament game. He says, which so if you have the if you if you rank the remaining schedules, top sixteen, all fourteen Big Twelve teams are in there. Wow! So every game that you're playing in conference play in the Big Twelve is brutal. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I mean, number nope. one is Baylor. Number two is Texas. Number three is Iowa State. Number four is UCF. Number five is Kansas. Number six is West Virginia. It just goes on and on. I mean, Houston, Oak State, OU. So they're playing each other. So that makes them. The you know, the sixteen toughest schedules left. Yeah, and no nights off. I mean, the only that's... the only two teams that are in there that aren't Big Twelve teams are Michigan and Indiana. Mm. That's it. Yeah, everything else is a Big Twelve team. No nights off. That's the Big Twelve slogan for their college basketball, uh, and it's true that it's is a they want to monopolize the college basketball market and have the best college basketball conference in the country. They're still trying to add to that, uh, but there's no Texas doubt. is leaving. And Texas is leaving, but they're still they're still going to be able to brag about it. I think even when Texas leaves, because that's how, like you said, competitive. You just brought out the strength of schedule. It's going to be better next year. This league is with Arizona. Uh, yeah, and Arizona Utah, joins. Mm. All those teams are good. Colorado's not bad. Yeah, no, that's you're right about that. It'll be better uh, with the because Oklahoma doesn't bring a ton to the table. Um, as far as college basketball, they've been okay with Lon Kruger, but now still trying to make their way. But you're not bad at Oklahoma. They have a but new yeah, coach. Everybody's don't good. They? You have a new, uh, well, you, you, that was a couple years ago. It's, uh, what's his name? I uh, can't think of his name off the top of my head, but uh, he replaced Lon Kruger a couple years ago, and he's doing a good job. But, you know, Arizona, gosh, Arizona's a power in college basketball. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, good stuff right there. Uh, Longhorn women tonight, Longhorn men tomorrow night at Moody Center. Um, this says, guys, I always get to attend the Rodeo Gala kickoff. That's Robert Earl Keen this year. I think I'm going to that too, by the way, Ron. Oh, that's really? Early, that's early February. Okay. The Rodeo Gala kickoff. Do you got to dress up for that? Uh, kind of a Yellowstone dress up, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? You know, yeah. You know, wear some. Yeah. Wear black hat. Got a little hat with Yellow hat, coat, maybe some dark jeans. Okay. Like you said, get your Yellowstone outfit going. Yeah. You got mm -hmm. some cowboy boots? I do. There you go. Got to have That's cowboy boots. That's all I need. That's all I need. All right. Do you did you find that Jim mm -hmm. that John Harbaugh cut with your quote that we were talking about, Rod? I didn't find the cut, the audio cut, because uh, it's tough. I haven't been able to find it. I'll try to look for it today sometime. But I did find the quote. <clears throat> and it was at BaltimoreRavens.com, actually. And this was actually from this week. So it's they're bragging about John Harbaugh um, seeing the Texans as a contender after week one. So yes. They're basically saying that John Harbaugh has got a good eye for talent. His quote after they beat the Texans 25-9 to to open the regular season, Harbaugh predicted the Texans were going to uh, be a good team this year. He said, quote, Really proud of the guys and really proud of the win against a good Houston team. I've said this before about certain teams early in the season. They're going to win a lot of football games this year. Mark it down. You'll see. That's a good young football team, end quote. Yeah, that was John Harbaugh after week one. And the final of that game was 21, 25 to 9. Mm -hmm. So you look at the score and you think domination. But if you watch the game, it was not Rod. No. This was the, they remember pulled this, away late. This was the rookie debut of C.J. Stroud mm -hmm. playing behind four – Injured offensive lineman. 
So it was a makeshift offensive line, to say the least. And then his line got banged up during you know, the reserves that were in there. Because remember, we talked about the Texans in camp. Couldn't have gone worse for them because their whole offensive line got hurt, yep. essentially, in, the, in camp. Just freak stuff, weird stuff. And so they were, they were really injured up front to start the season. And so they went into Baltimore, and you're thinking, they're going to get hammered. Yeah. This is going to be brutal. And it was 17-9 to in the fourth quarter, Rod. Mm-hmm. Like it was an eight-point game. It was a one-score game, and C.J. Stroud was making throws. They just they didn't have a running game, and they you know, and then the right tackle who was a backup tackle anyhow got hurt, so they had to come with like the, the just you know brand new guy, yeah. swing guy, and he got beat, and there was a strip fumble, and uh, they they scored a touchdown on a short field and made it twenty-five nineteen or twenty-five nine. But it was actually a one-score game into the fourth quarter, which I think was what John Harbaugh was talking about, saying, "Man, that's a that's a scrappy team." Mm-hmm. They came after us, um, you know, and obviously Baltimore was breaking in a new offense with Lamar Jackson, but they were relatively healthy at the time. And uh, now we know how good Baltimore is. Yeah. And Houston played them to pretty well. But, you know, you left that. I remember watching that game thinking, man, Houston's – because, look, we're also used to watching the last couple of years where they were just dreadful. Yes. It's just like, like going, what are we – this is – I can't even watch it. Totally dysfunctional. Totally dysfunctional. Yeah, no talent. David Culley team. Yeah. Even the Lovey Smith team with Davis Mills. You're like, this is awful. Mm-hmm. Well, you watch that game, you're like, okay, they're all right. Now, they turned around the next week and lost to the Colts, if memory serves. Or were the Colts the third game? Either way. But point being, John Harbaugh had it pegged. They were good. And here they are playing in the uh, the divisional playoffs in Baltimore. And Houston has shown. Because the one thing that didn't happen in that game that really stood out for me for C.J. Stroud, watching him for the first time in a regular season game, he didn't make the big mistake. He yeah. didn't throw an interception. And we talked about the fact he's only thrown five interceptions all year. Three of those came in one game against Arizona. He's had 13 starts to his career that he didn't throw an interception. Mm-hmm. 13. That's crazy. Of his 16 starts, he has not thrown a pick. It's amazing. Crazy. Uh, which, you know, that's as big as throwing touchdowns sometimes, Rob. When you don't make the big interception, ask Dak Prescott. Um, you know, it can be as big as throwing TDs. It can. Because uh, you don't give away <laughs> points or short fields or the ball. Ball is gold in these big games. So that is a huge stat. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to these games this weekend. That's the first game of divisional playoff weekend. And uh, that will be followed by the Packers and the 49ers. You feeling pretty good about the 49ers there? Yeah. Off the week, they yeah. know the Packers. They were remember that was Aaron Rodgers' script tonight playing the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I hate to I hate to really pile on the Cowboys, but they're just a much better coach team than the Cowboys are. Even when we were talking about the Cowboys being the second best team in the NFC. Remember, I told you there is a Grand, grand Canyon sized gap between them and the 49ers, and it ain't just about the talent on the field. They got nine All Pros on their team. The Cowboys do more than the San Francisco 49ers have. How many do the Packers have? <laughs> Uh, None. Exactly. I'm gonna go look. I'm sure they had. I'm sure they had a couple, but yeah, getting, getting that very point, right? It's not about the talent at, uh, advantage. It's a coaching disparity, and I guarantee the 49ers would have. Man, they they had to outcoach the they they had to, they had to coach circles around the, the Cowboys, especially since because the Packers have a tough time beating the the 49ers. Aaron Rodgers couldn't beat them. Yeah, and and that Shanahan, you know, Matt Flores is a Shanahan disciple, and Shanahan, I mean, he obsesses about going up against his old, you know, coaching buddies. So I just think, you know, because of that and because of the weaknesses of the Green Bay defense, which we documented and talked about mm-hmm. prior to that game, we thought the Cowboys were going to expose them uh, with their pass defense, uh, or I say lack of pass defense on r- inside breaking routes, inside the numbers, on slant routes. Man, I think the 49ers are going to put on a clinic potentially offensively. Um, but the, the, the 49ers defense, they I've seen the 49ers defense actually, if you can buy some time, which he did against the best pressure defense in the NFL. Even though the 49ers got a lot of great defense alignment, nobody pressures opposing quarterbacks better than the Cowboys. If Jordan Love can buy himself a little time, the secondary of the 49ers can be had. 
Yeah, the 49ers are elite in their front seven, but their secondary is not elite. And they should have a healthier Christian Watson mm. for that game. It was all Romeo yeah. Dobbs in the game against the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, he, like, Lamar Jackson, what did Lamar Jackson do against the 49ers? What did he do? Bought time. Extend the play. The 49ers are built on their D-line getting to the quarterback before they can expose them in the defensive backfield. But if you can buy time, extend the play, second reaction plays, I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson, but Jordan Love can move around a little bit. Yeah, he moved. If you move he's around, got that rocket arm, Exactly. Too. His arm is better than Lamar Jackson, so he can make some throws that Lamar cannot, even though Lamar is elite in that category, too. And so if Jordan Love is buying some time and they're not getting to him, he can make things interesting now. That's the night game Saturday. Yeah. Of course, Niners have plenty of rest and should be the healthier team. Uh, but either way, looking forward to all these games this weekend. Best weekend of NFL football, in my opinion. Two days, four games, double headers both days. Oh, and the yeah. winners move on to the championship Sunday. We'll be back. Uh, hook them up with Ian Rod B. Rolls on some Who Said That, Rod? Who and then a very that? special guest with the CEO of Rodeo Austin into our fabulous fifth hour. We're rolling. It's a Tuesday on Hook Em Up. The Horn text line has moved. Join the conversation on the new Horn text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. Ian Rod B. On the Horn. Ooh, and this man. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who said that uh, audio said that? from around the landscape? And uh, who said it? We try to guess. You can play along, too. Uh, Rod, what do you have for me, my friend? Uh, Ty, I sent you a couple of uh, uh, pieces of audio, so you can dial up any of them, and we can play Who Said That. It really is, and this was one of the few places, maybe the only place, that I would have ever left to, to come coach at. Because I understand what Alabama football is all about. And those, those guys that I sat in front of a room yesterday, I know what they're going through because I saw the same thing less than 24 hours ago. And I just, I just want to tell everyone, because I know they're, they're watching, I just want to tell you guys I love you. I will miss you. And, um, you know, I want nothing but the best for everyone back there. Who said that? Kalen DeBoer. That is Kalen DeBoer, and that was his message to his former team uh, in his uh, introductory press conference for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, unfortunately for Kalen DeBoer, there are some players for Washington who claim that um, maybe his uh, feelings that he stated there are disingenuous because they claim, quote, uh, he's one of the players that we in the training room and ESPN kicks on they talking about the boy finalizing a contract. <laughs> uh, apparently, the players uh, they found out that he was going to Alabama, same way we did. Yeah, in the background, a video uh, of the player who's the roster player who stated that it can be heard. Another player saying, "Didn't say nothing to nobody before he decided to leave." Another player says, "Just up and left." Uh, bro didn't put in his two weeks. Bro put in his 24 hours. An unidentified player said on a recent post that is going viral uh, from the I believe Washington he did Library. have a player gathering uh, and, and announced to them, but it may have come after the report. The Washington Huskies cornerback Elijah Jackson revealed that yeah, he and teammates things, found that, out on ESPN that the board was expected to leave. No, this does happen. Listen, it now some co- coaches are just shady. Uh, you know, they do it. I think it was Randy Edsel. 
did something like this uh, when he left UConn, if Tom, I'm not Tom mistaken. Tommy Tuberville <laughs> left a recruiting dinner, went to the bathroom, never came back. Manny Diaz had a flip like this. Remember Manny Diaz went to, like, was it Temple or something and came back? He yeah. had a job where he went somewhere, came back, and then the players did know. It, 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 it happens. It's a must-lie situation half the time. And these coaches, they don't know they don't know what to tell these guys because they've been lying to them, telling them, hey, I'm never leaving. I'm going to be with you guys for this long. And they don't know if they're going to be with this guy. He didn't know Bam was going to open up. So circumstances change. What you need to do is make it a teachable moment. Tell these young men, listen, things change in life. Circumstances change. You're going to do what's best for you and your family one day. And that's what you got to learn about what we do here now. There's going to be an opportunity for you to, to upgrade the quality of life for you and your family, and you're going to have to make that really tough decision one day. That's what we are doing. And you also and can't other- expect him to say anything before it's a sh- done deal. Like it, right, exactly. Yeah, as I say, it's and a must-last situation. That's right. <laughs> you can do it. Well, and it, it's hard to have a player meeting when you're in Tuscaloosa finalizing the deal, right? And that's news is going to break. And you fly back home and you have your player-only meeting, but yeah. it doesn't mean it didn't get out in the meantime. Yeah, yeah of course. Because that's, that's a red meat. That's a, that's a firecracker. That's going to get out the minute it's happened. Your agent's going to put it out the minute it happens. He wants it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's helping negotiations. So, yeah, but he did fly back. He did have a player's gathering they already knew but yes that's that's impossible to to overcome okay uh let me play this for you who said this rod this was uh, based on some football last night yeah i don't know especially like kind of you had a chance oh look at this another oh, missed tackle oh, oh my the oh my the oh tackling. my tackling. oh my that's what he guys t- guys guys listen just, just let me say this let me say this because i got to say this <laughs> Practice and tackling every day is based off angles. When you see the angles of these guys and the way they approach tackling, it's crazy. Like nobody plays together. Put them in a cup. If you put them guys in a cup, you're not going to see big plays like this. But everybody's playing individual football, and that's insane to me, man. That's why sometimes I get outside and I go sit on my water because I can't deal with this type of stuff. Peyton, like what? (laughs) Like it's crazy. So you're saying angles, you're saying, you know, a defensive back should take a certain angle knowing he's got help coming from the inside, coming from behind him, right? He's got the sideline. Hayden, from Pop Warner football, that's what we was taught. Yeah. There you go. Get it. There you go. Right? That's Ray Lewis. <laughs> Good tackling. the greatest of all time. Good tackling, Eagles. Yeah. I mean, guys, he's right about that, though. Guys are always trying to. Like, make a big hit? It's weird. And they don't make sound tackles. It's the strangest thing. Well, that was a little uh, – that was after the, uh, the Brad safety. Bear, yeah. That was after the safety, <laughs> after Jalen Hurts scrambled and got run around, got tackled in the end zone. Then they punted. And on the first play, this is a little a little out play. It was just a Number 10. quick out. Brad Bear four guys could have tackled tackle, him. And, like, three or four Eagles just took wrong angles or had bad – poor effort. Just had bad effort. Bad Terrible angles effort. and poor effort. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's a formula for a poor tackling team. Philadelphia wanted to go home. They that, wanted to go. Those players didn't want to go back in the locker room again. No. Clean it out, get out of here. They, they had already made their vacation plans. Some <laughs> guys had already booked their their flights and everything. Yeah, Hotels, yeah. they were ready. Clear, watching now. Checked you know. out. Yeah, that that was disappointing. Or at least some of the guys. Maybe not all of them, but uh, there were plenty. And uh, after that game, Jason Kelsey, the uh, All Pro, All of Fame to be center, did announce to his teammates that this is his last year. He is going to retire. Yeah, the tush push might be retired too. The, yeah, the brotherly shove because he's a key to it, man. Him and Jalen Hurts' his unique uh, skill sets make that play possible. Now you're losing half of that? Yeah, problem. 
All right, we'll come back. We will have a fabulous fifth hour. Very special guest. Rod takes us behind the burnt orange curtain. Well, who's what's popping into your Tuesday? It's uh, hook them up on a freezing cold Tuesday morning. <laughs>